Today's episode is absolutely a special one. But before we jump into that, we do have a couple of announcements. First, we're excited to announce our partnership with clothing company Capo. The meaning behind the brand runs much deeper. The northwest of England based clothing brand strive to bring premium, aesthetic fitting, and amazing quality clothing at affordable prices. And we're delighted to be able to promote their brand on our platform. Check out their products at www.capouk.com and on Instagram at capouk. We're also excited to announce the re-release of our number one best-selling book, Goldust, How to Become a More Effective Coach Quickly. While the content remains very similar, the updated version has been edited to a more user-friendly form, with a foreword from our good friend, Craig Brown, CB. Now, we did promise a special episode today, so here is a snippet of what to expect. Um, we always confront the, the elephant in the room, which is winning, you know, so that's how we, we work back from from that. We work back from this and the expectation. Uh, externally, it's for us to win, but I can assure you, internally, the expectation for us is to win a tournament. And that's how we look at it. And then, well, then we look at how we do that. You know, we've got strong, a strong set of values about the way we uh, way we behave. That's sort of the, the foundation that, um, that holds the house up, basically, the kangaroo house up. So we've got all these four pillars that you know, we, we live and breathe by. Um, and then we, we talk about, well, what, what's our DNA, what's in our DNA, what, we, what do we need to do, what's our why around that's going to make us successful. We're delighted to welcome three-time World Cup winner Mal Meninga onto today's episode of the Golders Podcast. Mal is the head coach of the Australian Rugby League national team, most recently winning his second World Cup as a coach with them in November 2022. He's widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the game's history, and prior to becoming the Kangaroos head coach, Mal led Queensland to eight State of Origin wins in a row, which is a record. It's an honour for us to host Mal today, and we know you will take something from this episode. Mal, first of all, it's an honour to host you on the Golders podcast today. It's not often we get to speak to a three-time World Cup winner, an all-time sporting great. So thank you for creating time to be with us. Thanks for your kind words, Keith. I wouldn't have said that, but anyway, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, the, the first question that we ask every single guest is, Golders Tours is sprinkling, sprinkling particles of knowledge to help others. Yeah, what does Golders mean to you? Uh, caring for yourself. You know, so I think, um, you know, what it's going to be, it's up to me, you know. So you've got to actually got to get yourself right. You've got to have a strong set of values, I reckon, and... Um, in the way you, you want to behave in life, you know. So really important that you follow that first and, you know, you lead by example. Mal, you talk about values there. I just want to delve into that one. What, if you're willing to share, what are your values personally? Um, they're changed over, over the years. It's, you know, obviously it's, it's through all your experiences through life, uh, all the lessons you learned. Um, whether it be from, you know, good times or bad times, I think, you know, it makes up and moulds into the person I am today. I'm, I think I'm still, I'm still changing. I'm still growing as an individual. But fundamentally, um, fundamentally, I'm fairly committed to what I do. Um, I'm, you know, always accountable for what I do. And um, I think I'm resourceful. I, you know, I think in this world, you know, we get, we talk about having fun. We talk about sportsmanship and things like that. But um, it's sometimes it's a cruel world, and you got to be resourceful. You got to be committed to what you do, and you can be accountable for your own actions. And you know, um, I grew up in a family that showed great humility. Um, I think you know that's a really important trait someone's got to have, uh, and that work ethic. You know, like I said, that commitment to something, that work ethic is. It's got to be spot on, you know, um, and you can't ask ask others, and that's what we talked about just a, while, a little while ago, go about uh, gold dust. Um, you can't ask of anyone if you're not doing it yourself or you haven't done it yourself or, you know, the environment you're trying to create is not a reflection of you. 
Um, so, yeah, I just think that my values are just around, you know, work ethic, commitment and being resourceful. As mentioned, you are now just coming off the back of your third World Cup win. So one as a player and then two as a coach of the Australian national team. What drives you to keep striving to achieve at this level? Um, it's pretty easy, really. I like being successful. You know, so, you know, I've always, I've always, like I've just mentioned before, again, I've always had a strong commitment to whatever I do. Um, I always like being successful. I always like winning. And um, and I've been lucky enough and, fort- you know, and, and fortunate enough to be involved with the great game of rugby league all my life. So I brought up in a rugby league family. Um, you know, Dad played, mum was an ardent supporter. Dad played for and was involved as a, as a coach or a, as a captain or as a player for 22 years and played in 21 grand finals. You know, so I grew up in that type of environment. And everything that I did as a player, um, I felt that I was a winner as well. Um, I always liked to be successful. And as a coach, um, similar traits, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it did, I'm driven, I guess, um, to be successful. And from a coaching perspective, I'm driven by the fact that I want my players to be successful. You know, I, I want them to come into an environment that's, you know, stimulating and, you know, our recent success is all around around the expectation of us being winners. The kangaroos in the game of rugby league are always deemed to be, you know, um, always deemed to, to win tournaments. And that's what we've been doing for over 50 years. So um, it's a long, long-term long tradition. We, we face it up. Uh, we put it on our shoulders. We carry it with, with great you know, pleasure. So, um, yeah, it just uh, the mere fact of being successful and having that purpose in life the drive in life, motivation in life to, to keep on being a winner. So you're obviously a product of your own environment, their upbringing, uh, being surrounded and being immersed in, in a, if you like, a, a competitive environment has certainly helped shape you and shape you as a character and shape you as a man. Yeah, um, yeah, I am, I am competitive. You know, I mean, I grew up an introvert. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean to say you can't be a, uh, um, a great competitor or, you know, a great person. Um, you know, I still am an introvert in a certain degree. Um, rugby league's brought me out of my shell, obviously, uh, to be able to speak in, on podcasts like this. But, um, yeah, I've, I've always had the confidence, self-confidence. And I, I talk a lot about that around, you know, being self-confident over arrogant. I've never been arrogant. And I think the, the fine line between self-confidence and arrogance is humility. And I feel that I've had, I've always had a great sense of humility. Um, I've always kept my feet in the ground, heads out of the clouds and, you know, had this, this continual growth, you know, mindset that's been you know, with me for a long period of time. Well, you're, you're widely regarded as one of the finest players in the game's history enjoying a, a glittering career uh, with in Australia, St. Tellings, Canberra Raiders, an equally impressive uh, origin and international career with Queensland and Australia yourself. Do you believe your playing career helped equip you to go into coaching? And if so, how did it do that? Uh, I, I made the mistake of um, not doing my apprenticeship in coaching. Um, I went from player to coach more or less straight away. So I felt that that hindered my growth as a coach, um, particularly with the Raiders initially, um, but learnt very quickly. And, you know, I go back to my values. I had to become very resourceful to get myself through all that. Um, so um, from a player perspective, you know, when I got into coaching, particularly rep footy, in the Queensland and the Australian environment, it certainly helped me because I understood the, the situations, understood the, the occasions, the moments you need to win to be successful, you know. So understood how to prepare teams, um, had some great mentors in my time. Um, Wayne Bennett, obviously, early in my life. Dad coached me in my early years, obviously. Uh, Wayne Bennett, uh, Bob McCarthy, you know, Arthur Beetson, uh, Bob Fulton, you know, Tim Sheens. They're all 
you know, great mentors, uh, rugby league mentors, and I had some really strong people and great mentors off field, and um, probably even more appreciative of, um, you know, through my early years in particular, where you know we were doing Toastmaster courses and and uh, things like that, you know, at the age of you know 19, 20, 21, when no one else was doing things like that, doing deportment classes and understanding how to how to how to um, set a table, you know from an etiquette point of view, you know, just things like that, that I was very fortunate to do. Um, at the time, I, I felt that it was nonsense, but, you know, uh, I thought, you know, through that experience, obviously, you know, particularly the Toastmaster, now, and that, it gives you the confidence to actually, you know, speak um, when you've got an opinion, those sort of things. So, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot um, from, you know, playing, obviously, and I learned a lot from my mentors off-field as well about life in general. My dad's mentioned there about your playing career. I think it would be amiss of me to to not mention this before I ask another question. Um, my dad obviously mentioned to you, we're, we're big Saints fans. My mum grew up. Terraces and Nosey Road. And if ever the question, who is the best Saints player ever, comes up, there is no hesitation that she throws your name out before you can click your fingers. And she... Um, <laughs> She, uh, she's very, yeah, she's very generous. Well, yeah, I think that might be the humility speaking, but <laughs> but she, she, I know she would, she would probably not be very happy with us if we didn't mention that on this. That um, obviously, I know in the town of St Helens, you influence a lot of people in your time, in your time there, and it, it wasn't a long time; it was, it was only, yeah, only one season, yeah, one season, David. Um, and you know, I try to get back. A few times, but unfortunately, injury um, and the timing just wasn't right, unfortunately. Um, and then had an opportunity at the back end of my career to come back, but uh, the body wasn't up to it. So um, had great memories. St. Helens is a fantastic community. You know, I had a great time at the club, great players and a lot of success um, when when I was there, you know. So um, and it was at a time, David, when... Um, I was going through just a bit of a rough patch with my career. Uh, we just got beaten in the, the final over home by a reasonably high score, and I was the captain of the team. And um, and the pressure the pressure did get to the to us as a group. And um, I was struggling from a playing point of view to you know be consistent with my football rugby league, and um, going to going to Saints and just be able to play you know without the pressure. Well, not so much the pressure, the pressure of leadership, but just just that is that, you know, it was just a great experience. You know, Harry Pinner was the captain, Billy Benny was the coach, and um, I just played my role role there. And, um, yeah, had a great, great, great uh, experience. Yeah, obviously, when you stopped playing, you went into coaching pretty much straight away and you went to the Raiders and you've you've been involved in the game pretty much ever since and and you've had as we've mentioned you've also had you've had a glittering coaching career as well so two world cups one of them very very recent you won eight state of origins in a row as the coach of queensland which is also a record and and although the state of origin in in australia is a it's a big deal mm. as someone who's achieved so much as a coach, what qualities do you believe are is, are important? Um, well, through through all my learnings, I, I learned and, and um, that the care factor the care factor is is really important. Um, always will and always has been, you know. So it's um, so what I, what I've done with with that is that with the care. Uh, I've turned that into a bit of an acronym around how I do things and um, with certainly with how I treat players and how I treat people around me. Um, and I, I try to do that. I, I try to do that with the utmost care and that's, that's what underpins everything. You know, I care about what I do. I care about the decisions. Um, I care about my people and the way we do things, you know, I think it's really important. So, the acronym around care for me is around connection. So I mean, you've got to build relationships and strong relationships. And I feel that the, the stronger the relationship, the stronger the leadership, you know, so it, it enables you to, to have that authority, but it also gives you 
the respect that you need to delegate and to you know trust other people you know so connection is really important and for them to trust you as well um it's being around accountability so you know if i ask them to do things um i've got to be accountable for it and i hold others accountable for it and that's what players you know uh, expect i believe you know so you try to create this trusting honest environment where there's a great sense of accountability you know, on on what they, you know, the individual does, and, and how that how they hold each other accountable. I think that's a a big thing around the care factor, um, and it's it's designed around, you know, wanting them to be, you know, better people and better players. You know, so accountability is a, such a a strong word, and you probably have that in every value system around the world in any sporting team or any organisation. They they talk about accountability all the time. It's such a such a big word, um, but it has an enormous impact if you can get that right. Uh, the R part about the care is recognition. So one thing that I do really well, I feel, is that we recognise achievement. We recognise when someone has an opinion and we, we try to keep an open, transparent um, environment where you know, players can and individuals can say um, what's on their mind and help improve the, improve the organisation or improve the team. I just think that uh, giving that recognition um, to individuals empowers people, you know, to continuously think about how they can improve and how they can uh, help improve the team, or what sort of things the team team can do to improve. So, to recognise achievement, I think, is really, really, really important. And um, the last bit is around the e parts around education. So, the education part is around continuous growth. You know, having a continuous growth learning mindset. You know, you never, you never done you know you never know everything um there's a saying in our sport if you if you think you know everything it's time to retire and um you know with us and i think that's one of my good traits i feel uh, when i talk about you know my values you know it, it is around having a curious mind and you know making sure that i've got this connection and, and continuous growth mindset that allows me to keep on open up opening up um my mind um to improving things all the time really comprehensive answer there in terms of what you believe a question for you in terms of i'm sure you have good and bad days i think everybody does um where maybe personally you've you've had an argument with the dog at home and you've got to go in and <laughs> and deal with people now in the environment, how do you manage that level of consistency regardless of what happens outside of work? Um, it's, a, it's a very good question. I, and I answer it this way is that I've always had the ability to, you know, compartmentalize everything, you know, so I can go to work and put all my troubles at home aside, or I can go to, I go home and put all my work troubles behind or my social, you know, I can, I've, I've always had that ability to park issues and get on with what the priority was at that particular time. I remember asking a question of Wayne Bennett once, you know, what's the, how do you, you know, how do you maintain a career, you know, in any career? And he says, well, you just got to survive and you've got to be able to, I heard him answer a question once, whatever the priority is at that time, that's the priority, you know, whether it's, at home or whether it's, you know, social outing or it's whether it's work or whatever, you know, so the ability to, to put everything else aside and just concentrate on that particular priority at that time. Tramal, with, with having that mindset, what is it, what needs to happen for you then to be fulfilled? I've just been fulfilled through success, you know, um, again um but you know I, I define success so i mean i'm like I, I talked about before around winning you know i love winning you know, i always have always have loved winning um and for whatever reason i win more times than i lose you know so but i've also had the this mindset as well that through loss you can win too you know you can actually improve the things that you do and you, you look for areas you know that you can develop and and work on next time. So that's the type of, I've always had a proactive, positive mindset, I guess. So it's never really, really been negative. Hate losing. But, you know, once I get over the, over the initial thought, thoughts of losing, um, 
you know, I, I, so I can actually think about, well, what can I do better? And that's, that's always, I've always had that. I don't understand why, Keith, to be honest with you, it's just that competitive nature in me. But I think, you know, from mum and dad, I mean, dad, like I said, was highly successful in his career. Mum was, mum was a, a state runner, um, sprinter in a time. I think she come, she come first in, in, that, in the state titles and things like that. So I've been around very positive people all my life, I feel, you know, and I've been lucky enough to, to have those sort of relationships. Um, and because of that, I've, I've been able, to, been able to, just, to decipher whether someone's good for me or not good for me. And I can move, I can move away from a bad situation pretty quickly. And I get, a, you know, I can, you know, somehow, I, somehow innately, you know, I, I sort of mix with the right people. And I've always had that knack, I think. And it, it's hard to explain. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well at all, but I just had that ability to be around winners. And I guess um, me being a winner sort of exudes that on other people as well. Oh, there is that saying, isn't there? You, when you when you like people, you tend to be you tend to like them, mm. and that that tends to come through an action. I, I think actions, you know, your actions are equally what your beliefs are, what you value in your life, and and they'll align at some point. Yeah, we tend to we tend to get disjointed or disfigured for some reason or other. We just there's like that in a sense that kicks us away or moves us further away or we just move off in a different direction. And, well, that's uh, exactly right. I have, I have the ability to trust people until they're not trusted, trust, trustworthy. Absolutely. Just changing tack slightly, you're also High Performance Senior Advisor at the NRL's Gold Coast Titans. What does that role entail, Mal? Uh, it's just an advisory role. Okay, so... Um, Initially, when I first took the role, I helped them build their their cultural um, base foundation around, you know, just some things around who they were and who they wanted to be, um, you know, just through some sort of strong, again, value-driven value, value process, um, just help align their development programs and their community programs and, um, you know, started to, started to fix their football program, their rugby league program at the highest level. So, um, and obviously, our, our good mate uh, Justin Holbrook was a was part of that. We, we've managed to get Justin over to the Titans um, from St Helens, uh, who where he had lots and lots of success to um, be the head coach of the, the Gold Coast Titans. And we've just gradually but surely built a really strong team around him as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so just help build. The ecosystem, I guess, of the of the football department of the Gold Coast Gold Coast Titans systems, you know, so um, it's starting to come, it's starting to bear fruit at the moment. Um, yeah, but it's basically back down into an advisory role now, where Justin's the the main man, and he, you know, it's it's his it's his team. How does how does this role for you help you in your current role as a coach? Yeah, that's a good question, David. It helps me in the fact that. It keeps me contemporary. So, you know, obviously Justin and his team allow me into the inner sanctum and it allows me to, to contemporise the way I think and, and do things as well. Um, you know, the, the game has evolved over over a long period of time, um, certainly the, with the advent of professionalism. Um, you know, it's it's improved enormously. I was, I was there at the start of professionalism back in the, the mid-90s. Um, but yeah, how technology's take, taken on, yeah, how they do their their prep uh, preparation through the week, uh, all the feedback systems, you know, all that sort of stuff it allows me to to keep up to speed with with um, what all the young people are doing these days. Now, in working in an high performance environment, you work with a lot of world class players and uh, master locksmiths, if you like, of the profession. Yeah. Players that are uh, of the uh, they have the ability to just open doors that don't exist. Now, other than technical and physical attributes, what other character traits make these players so special? Um, we do we do our homework, Keith, on on individuals. You know, we look at their upbringing. We look at their you know their their social settings. We have a look at their their families, uh, their mates. 
So the first the first thing we talk about really is um, will this person fit into into our into our environment? You know, will they fit into um, all the other people we've got there that believe in what we're doing? So uh, good people really so really important. Um, you know, getting picking the right person, and uh, I think that's really important. Uh, great work ethic. I know that you know, Justin's had the Titans. The work ethic is that, that he holds that paramount, and I think that's really important. They've got strong work ethic, um, and then there's a there's a there's a leadership quality about them as well. You know, so obviously when someone comes into a club, uh, they I call them followers. You know, so they they learn their craft, uh, understanding that you know the, the environment, the systems they're they're playing under, understanding who, who they are a lot better, understanding trying to understand the way you play professional rugby league, um, and through that through all those learnings, um, you look at. You know, have they got some leadership qualities about them? You know, are they, as I said before, um, are they accountable? Are they committed? You know, um, have they got a continuous growth mindset? Um, are they fun to be around? You know, do they mix in really well? All those sort of different traits you, you need in an individual that's going to, you know, help make up the collective, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's three points you know, around the person, you know, their work ethic, how, how, strong they practice their their skill their craft you know um do i do they do extras you know all that sort of things and then you know from a from a technical point of view on the field you see that in young kids you see that you know all the stuff they do off the ball whether they it's not their how fast they run or how hard they run sometimes it's how much they support their mate um you know all those sort of things you you look at you know when you're sort of looking at whether you want to you know employ a particular particular person in that club so um yeah so good people practicing hard and and the ability to self-lead themselves into a situation where they become great leaders down the track some of the players you know historically you've watched them you've been around them they've been around your program but when you're actually when you're bringing in a new a player that's coming into into the setup what lets you know what, what is it an instinct? Is it their action? Because at some point you could have two or three like that, Mal, and you mm. you've got to make a decision. You do. Yeah, I believe in I believe in cohesion combinations. I believe in um, the fact you know they, they, you're in your system at a young age. Um, they're not tarnished or tainted, you know, from other systems and things like that as well. So. Uh, they're in your system and it allows you to, you know, to make some judgments over a two to three year period, you know, so a kid might come to our system at 15 years of age or 16 or 17 or, you know, at 22, it depends on what the, on what you need and as far as your, um, your recruitment and your retention uh, policies are. So, but to spend time with them, I think is really crucial and it goes back to again, to your connection with that with that kid, you know um, how that how the, you build a strong relationship and how accountable they are to the club. You know, go back to care again. How much they want to grow with their education and you know how much they actually want to you know put into the club uh, yet again that recognition. So it's it all fills back into a simple mindset around you know do they care about the club? Do they love putting the, color, the club's colours on? Uh, every time they play, that they, they give their give their all, you know, just things like that. So little traits that you that you want to see in your player. Do they work really hard? Do they practice really hard? You know, things. Uh, do they stay around a bit longer and practice even more? Do they go on the computer most days and see if there's ways that they can improve? You know, just it's just um, their their overall general demeanour. You know, um, we try to pick that straight away, but you, if you build you build that connection over you know two or three years, you'll soon find out whether you want to keep that kid or not. I think the, the big difference international sport is when you're involved in club sport, especially you are with them year round for you as an international coach. And even when you were with Queensland, you weren't, you, you only have them for a short period of time and you've got to get all of these people on board and aligned in terms of look, there's one goal and it's winning. So you bring mm -hmm. this, this Australian squad together and they've probably had a week, two weeks, 
maybe three weeks together after they've just competed against each other with the club teams for a whole year. What did you and your staff do to create a, a team winning culture and, and align all of these players that were competing so heavily against each other for the past 10 months? Um, well, I fought tooth and nail, you know, prior to, prior to our last World Cup tournament around the eligibility side of things because I've got a firm belief that, you know, passion is really important at any level, but certainly at representative level. You know, playing for your country is, think you know, something that is innate and it's you don't need to motivate yourself. It's just driven. It's there inside you, you know. So I really worked hard on, um, again, finding out the people who were really were passionate about putting, in Australian terms, a green and gold jersey on. So that was the first thing that we did. We picked a team that was passionate about about Australia and playing for their country. And then from from that, um, I've, we've got certain beliefs in, in about the way we play, the kangaroo, we call it the kangaroo way. And all my staff have bought into that. They've taken ownership over it and they helped me they helped me deliver it, and they've been doing that for the last six years. And as I said originally, um, we always confront the the elephant in the room, which is winning. You know, so that's how we we work back from from that. We work back from this and the expectation uh, externally is for us to win, but I can assure you internally, the expectation for us is to win a tournament, and that's how we look at it. And then, well, then we look at how we do that. You know, we've got strong, strong set of values about the way we, uh, way we behave. That's sort of the the foundation that, um, that holds the house up, basically the kangaroo house up. So we've got all these four pillars that you know we we live and breathe by, um, and then we we talk about well, what what's our DNA, what's in our DNA, and what we, what do we need to do? What's our why around that's going to make us successful? And uh, we all buy into that uh, through our storytelling, through our and you know most of the, and all the players. And we talk, we talk about our our stories, and you know, I include myself. Can I go back a while? Um, very similar stories. Blue collar, growing up, um, mum, mum or dad or both. Uh, you know, pretty prevalent in their lives. There's someone special in their young lives that that has a belief in them that they can go all the way. You know, play the play a great game at the highest level. Um, they get picked up by clubs eventually, and then you know they get this get set on their path. So we've all got really similar stories, and we've got like we said, we've got you know, strong DNA about about you know who is uh, an Australian player, and we've developed that over many many years. Um, so that's still part of uh, our conversations we have and our storytelling. And then, like I said before, we have a certain way of, of playing then, you know, so we work around a set of KPIs, but we have a couple of fundamental focuses that we, we work really hard on. And that's part of who we are. We work really hard on some fundamental um, things we need to get done in the game, little things we need to get, get done in the game. And we focus on that and we just knuckle down on the simplicity of, of those KPIs and those two fo focal points, one attack, one defence, uh, which is simple, and we just do them really well. Well, that sort of links very nicely to a question that I had uh, around during games. You've just had a wonderful, successful campaign in winning the World Cup again for the Kangaroos. But during games, what metrics do you use uh, when making team and tactical changes um it's it's more around it's more around what our strengths are so and we understand what our strengths are and that's again we talk about that simplicity particularly when you you bring representative teams together you know you got a lot more time obviously at club land to develop um your teams a lot more in the sense of you know more all-rounded performance and the way they deliver their kpis and the things that they need to deliver individually, you know, around their, what they have to do in defence or attack positionally and stuff as well. So um, we really work hard on on the simplicity of it all. And then we obviously look at the, the strengths and the weaknesses of the opposition. So when we, we look, look at tactical strategy around when we look at replacements as an example, um, 
you know, we, we build a bench. And I think in our game now, I've got a firm belief that the 13 players that start a game are not necessarily your better players, to be honest with you. I've got a philosophy now that, you know, I think uh, our 14, 15, 16, 17 uh, are just as important or not, or maybe even more important when we talk about a tactical um, approach to a game that they actually can make the difference, um, you know, through the course of the game. So, you know, our, our bench, I felt, played really, really well for us um, through the World Cup. And the advantage they gave us was that, you know, they, they work harder than the opposition, they were quicker than the opposition, uh, and all the little things that we need to do from a KPI is they do better than the opposition. So that was our tactical strength around our rugby league team, I believe. And then once your bench takes control of the game, well, then your best players are pretty hard to contain. You know, the, from an Australian point of view, you know, halves, which was, you know, Cameron Munster and Nathan Cleary becomes a lot more prevalent in the way they way they perform because uh, there's less pressure on them. Our hookers all of a sudden um, start to run the ball and make good metres. And then our captain, James Tedesco, that bring, he brings his best game when um, everything starts to starts to um, gain momentum, um, particularly around, the mid, around our midfield. So, yeah, it just, it's it's more or less around our strengths. Obviously, the simplicity, of, I think the simplicity of everything we do is our strength and we just do that really well. But yeah, we can break down oppositions really well, I feel. Well, I'm going to go back to the previous answer of the question before. You okay. talked about storytelling. Yeah. You talked about having similarities so that element of creating culture and you all come from from similar backgrounds to get obviously to get deep meaning across to your players you've shared experiences and and you've had the storytelling do you have any other examples that you're willing to share around you sharing stories and and being able to build connections through that um well, we've always, we go back to care again, you talk about recognition. So we, we've always um, told stories of the past, you know. So with the World Cup as an example, you know, that's that kicked off in France in, in uh, 1954. You know, France was a was a dominant force in rugby league through the 50s and, and early 60s until socialism took over. So we talked, we talk about that. We talk about how the game, how the game actually started, you know, started at the George Hotel in, in Huddersfield, you know, in which we played, we played the the uh, the quarterfinal at Huddersfield, you know. So we tell those those stories. So everything's relevant to what what we're doing. Um, so all, all our all our um, all our DNA or, or all our strengths are built around you know storytelling from from ex players. Um, we we made a a real pact around the immortals and, you know, their story coming up, you know, when they first kicked off and all the success they had. And, and, you know, we talked about the DNA that they talk about, um, you know, when they were growing up and, you know, when they played and we've got, we've got like a, a mini museum that, you know, we cart around <laughs> everywhere, you know, it's a mobile museum. We cart around with, with all the storytelling, um, all these, we talked about we talked about our families. You know, we talked about you know the ones back home and the ones that are they're coming over. And our walls were riddled with you know photos of our families and you know the support they they gave us. You know, through all our lives and allowed the players to be here in England unselfishly. You know, um, the sacrifices they made for for us to be here to do well. And you know, it would be a shame that you know, the sacrifices of all our families. The ones that love us back home um, allow to allow us to do this, and all of a sudden we come home, we don't, we didn't, we don't win. So it's that's that was motivation itself too. So we we talk about all that, you know. We get the families on on uh, online these days, which that's, that's technology, and they talk about how proud they are um, of of their of the you know whether that's their son or you know or their um, husband or partner, you know, or their or their dad, you know. So we 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 ensure that um, we're not alone over here, you know. Even though we're ten thousand miles from home, but our families are with us, and 
and we keep on telling the stories of our past as well. Very powerful to be able to to tap into creating memories, creating memories, mm -hmm. but equally, uh, you know, every time that we coach and go out there and work with players, we're we're actually creating memories. So effectively, we can tap into what's past memory, which is extremely powerful in this case of, of stories uh, from family members and, and equally not forgetting, you know, where they've been, the players. But when we go out, we create them as well. And it's that's right. it's very well, that's, that's part yeah. of our part of our DNA, Keith. You know, the thing about creating is you actually got to go and do it though too. You know, we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it's actually the creation. The, the creation means you actually got to do it. It's actually got to, you've, you've got to create it. And that's what winning's all about. You know, being in the, being in the, the, uh, the grand final, the, you know, the, the game that really matters and creating your own memories and your own moments and your own legacy piece. You know, and we don't talk about dynasty. We talk about legacy. I think legacy is a really important part because um, it's, it's a legacy that you, you can pass on with your storytelling. It's a blank sheet, isn't it? You know, you go, you're creating a future that doesn't exist. That's right. But, that's right. but we can we can influence that the future with tapping into previous resource or resources that we have around us. Hmm. Listen, man, we, we we speak about and and have uh, the kangaroos have just gone on to win the World Cup again, twelve times now, I believe, and the differences between European players. Australian, New Zealand, Samoan, and many, many other countries out there. But in your opinion, what are the differences between top flight Super League players and NRL players? I don't think there's any difference in talent. Um, I just think there's difference in money and resources. You know, so your, your talent in the UK can come over to Australia and, and be successful. You know, so... Um, it really is. I don't think it's anything to do with talent whatsoever. It's more to do, I guess, with the development the development systems over here uh, around having more resources put towards, you know, having a program there where kids have got a pathway into in your club, in your club land, all, all clubs, you know. So, I mean, I think with um, IMG, I think they've got a, got a good plan around, you know, just having a quality, a quality top competition with, you know, obviously more money and resources, but you've got to build the game from, you know, from its community. You know, the community rugby league is, is so important. You've got to put money and resources into that and then continually have you, all these programs at every club, uh, bringing these kids, kids through um, that'll allow them to, you know, play at the elite level. So you've got, they've got to you know, aspire and be inspired by what's above them. And I just think, yeah, the money and the resources is needs to be put towards those type of programs. And that's what we do really well over home. I talked about what we do with the Gold Coast. We just went and fixed up their community and their development programs. Um, we made sure that there was a quality of, there's quality of um, resources, that I mean people, um, at the, the elite level, you know, with at the Titans, you know, the coach and, his assistants and your sports science and your, your medical teams, your high performance teams, all those, they've got to be of, of high quality that allows, you know, allows all your players to excel. You know, they build, they help you build a, a really strong, resilient environment. So um, money and resources. Watching world-class international rugby league can be very entertaining. I, I go back to two games during this previous World Cup. The first one, which is probably the best game I've ever watched, was the semi-final, the Australia-New Zealand game. And the the amount of quality on show, but just how intense the game was. And it was absolutely unbelievable to watch. And then the other one was the Tonga-Samoa game. Yeah. I mean, the, the two games that really you just didn't want them to end. And you had people that really probably weren't big rugby league fans prior to or didn't know a lot about the sport that then watched it and are hooked, and rightly so. What what does the, the governing bodies need to do to, to really seize this opportunity of <laughs> keeping the game at the forefront? Uh, well, 
I hope, I hope, I hope that our governing bodies love the game of rugby league because they've got to put that first. The game, the game is more important than the individuals. I mean, instead of building CVs, build a game, build the foundation of the game, build community rugby league back up to where it should be. That's that's what I believe in. You know, I believe in that. You know, the stronger the base, you know, it's the old triangle, isn't it? The stronger the base, the more people you got coming through. Um, the more elite players you'll have at the top end. Um, you've got to aspire to something, but you've got to be inspired down here through pathways. So this is the same answer before around money and resources. It's it's where you put that money and resources. And obviously, at the elite level, you know you've you've got a. It's driven by broadcasting, which is you know understand all that and sponsorship and thing. You know, um, bums on seats, as they say over home. I think that's you know that you've got to you've got to continue doing that, but. It, where it's where it's most important is at, at its grassroots at its community levels um there's 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 got to be programs for men women wheelchair disabled able-bodied people um that's what rugby league it's very inclusive sport uh, there's got to be there's got to be avenues for everyone if they who wants to participate school in schools they want to participate in rugby league there's got to be avenues for them to do that and um, and through those avenues, there's little pathways where you know they can excel. That's how that's how you you build you build you don't you know you have people you have people who love the sport. But like I said, I keep saying that you know it's a blue collar game. People have got to get out of the their heads out of the clouds around the white collar. <laughs> I feel that you know if you start you st you develop at blue collar blue collar levels, and they'll come to games. Um, then sponsors will came. I think I think you'll have a snowballing balling effect if you got this movement, strong movement of you know community rugby league people going to watch, you know your English Super League clubs at um, each week. You know, so the, the sponsors will soon follow, and your broadcasters will soon follow. That's my philosophy. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's that's what I hope. That's what I hope will happen eventually. Well, there's nothing more entertaining than watching top flight athletes now who are getting bigger, yeah, well, stronger. Well, they want to play in big, big stadiums and big crowds. You know, well, that's what they want to do. And you've got to, you've got to attract, you know, the the people who want to do that, and support that. You know, and you want mums and dads, you know, wanting their their kids to play the sport, and 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 those kids have influence on mums and dads to go watch. You know, go watch St Helens play as an example, and you have capacity crowds, not at St. Helens, but, you know, down at Wakefield and, you know, out at and all, all, the, all the teams that, are, you know, uh, keep on coming up and down all the time. We just need to have some certainty um, around all that where, you know, um, it, it just needs to be looked at. And I just feel that, you know, community, at the community levels is the, is the area I feel not only gets neglected probably here, but it gets neglected a little bit over home as well in Australia. Well, Mal, listen, final question for you. But what areas of the game, what areas of coaching do you feel we need to develop? What does the future coach need to develop in himself or herself? How to build relationships. <laughs> I mean, um, we, get, we get such, we get caught up in technology and, Things like that. That the art, the art of coaching is is having a conversation with an individual and building a strong, trusting relationship where you can help them be their best. And they believe in you, you know. So I mean, we should never go away from that. In mind. we should go back to the future. I mean, we got. Um, that's what I do. I mean, we, I'm not technically minded, but yeah, we've got technology that helps us coach. But I can't, I can't get the best out of anyone if I don't have a relationship with them. You know, so how can you do that? Hey, you can't have a social media relationship or a, you can't be texting them or emailing them all the time. You've actually got to go talk to them. And I think you've got to set aside a time all the time to talk to people, you know, have real conversations, not just, not just sporting conversations, have real conversations, you know, build that rapport with not only the player, but his, his or her family. I just think that the art of coaching is that. It's around relationships. 
it's around how much you care about what you do, you know. So um, you don't have to prove how smart you are. You just got to prove how much you care. I love that saying. I think that's really important. So, you know, um, get your head out of the clouds. Technology is going to help you, but it's not going to help you be successful. We have in our book, Goldust, how to become a more effective coach quickly. It contains chapters that actually help coaches on how we build these relationships and connections with our players. Yeah. Players are really, are in general people in, in life, just they just want to know that you care for them, whatever that That's looks right. like. They want to know that they can trust you. And that takes time, but I think it comes mm. through an affinity and having a situational awareness where you've got an instinct. You just know something's required. You don't know what it is. You just know that something's required and it's just a question where we reach out to someone. And then if we can learn from those experiences, it becomes more enriching. It does. And, and, and what I say, what I say, I sort of talk to Justin often, as, you, as you're very aware, you know, sometimes you got to have, most times, most weeks you got to have tough conversations with players. And those tough conversations become a lot easier, a lot easier to manage if you've got a strong relationship and they know that conversations come from a, a place in your heart not your head. This has been tremendous. I think on behalf of my dad and I, we want to we want to thank you, first and foremost, giving your time. But I think it's worth noting um, for our listeners, you, you mentioned during the podcast about the Immortals. And I know a lot of our listeners may not know this. You are one of those Immortals. One of the 13 players in, in history to be put on that list, which really goes to show how much impact and influence you've had as a player and now as a coach and and quite evidently a co- as a coach you've you've had a lot of success and even so you're very 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 humble and that humility comes through in the way that you talk and it's very evident that you care about what you do and you care about the people that are in your environment and it's it's on show you can you can feel it thanks david um I must, I must confess, though, also to you that I don't talk about myself. I talk about others, uh, you know. So that that humility does shine through. But you know, but anyway, they understand. You know, the players, the players, and the people understand. Um, you know, first and foremost, that I do care about them, and first and foremost, I want them to be successful. And that's all. That's all I. That that's all that really matters. And that's what I. That's where I get my satisfaction from. Um, as I as I say to people, I don't have to, I don't have to tell my story because people most mostly know it. But um, it's important that that I stay in the background and and everybody else goes into the foreground. Mm. I like being a leader from behind, mate. Well, again, Mal, we we both on behalf of my dad and I, we both want to thank you for coming on and safe travels back home. Thank you. And, um, good luck. With, uh, with what comes next, with the next part of the journey with Australia and with Gold Coast. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you.